praise the Lord for His amazing grace uh, by which He has saved us, by which He has um, set us apart uh, for Himself, and by which He gives us purpose and meaning in our lives. Uh, get your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, I, I want to talk to you this morning about revival of purpose. You know, we were supposed to start our um, revival meetings for this morning, uh, but uh, Providence prevents us um, from doing that, and we're going to reschedule those. But but as, as we um, think about this concept of revival, I think we've seen a, a level of revival in the life of our church, and I, I hope and pray that you can say you've seen a level of revival in your own heart and in your own life as we worship and study God's Word together. But I also know that one of the things that, uh, that, that we can fall into is, uh, is a sense in which we lose our purpose. We lose our purpose spiritually. Now, uh, what is your purpose? What, what is purpose? That is that which drives us, that which we are created for. That which um, that we are are, are pursuing. Uh, Dictionary.com says it's the reason for which something exists or is done, is made or is used. Purpose. We all have a purpose. Uh, we all have a purpose in our own lives and the way we conduct ourselves at our job. If we go to work, we know that. That, that in that work, this is my task, this is my purpose, and this is the end which I hope to produce in whatever field you're in. Well, beyond that purpose in our career, beyond that purpose in our homes, is, is God's purpose. And, and I want you to understand this morning that God's purpose is greater than any purpose you and I could have on this earth. Because the reality is this God's purpose for our lives is an eternal purpose. It's an eternal purpose that, that overarches every other thing we do in our lives. But what I mean by that is this. You go to work as a teacher. Your job is to teach those children or those young people or whoever it is you teach. You teach them English or the, al the alphabet or arithmetic, whatever you teach. Beyond that simple purpose, and, and that's a big purpose, is that God Almighty has a purpose, a kingdom purpose for you in that role as teacher. Or if you're in the medical field, you're a nurse. You know, you, God's got, got this purpose that overarches just the medical purpose you have on a day-to-day -day basis. It is a kingdom purpose to bring light and life into the people that you minister to in the medical field. Whatever that is, I want you to hear this morning that you have a purpose. A God-ordained purpose which supersedes everything else we can do in our lives. As a matter of fact, it's going to make everything else we do in this life better. It's going to make us better as we do it. Now, here's the problem. If we lose sight of God's purpose, or if we push God's purpose aside in pursuit of our own, we're going to miss out on the, the blessing, the greatest blessing God has for us. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning. God has purposed you for His kingdom. And as He has purposed you for His kingdom, I 
I want to ask you this morning to pray. Pray with me. God, You have purposed me for Your kingdom. Will You remind me and revive me in Your purpose for my life? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 says this, The Word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. I know that's not the verse I told you I'd be reading from. I'll get there in a minute, okay? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Do you hear God's word of purpose to Jeremiah? Jeremiah is a young person. He's probably a teenager at this time. And the Lord God Almighty comes to him and says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Mr. Angie, isn't that a great word for for the life you promote and work so hard uh, in the womb. Oh man, before I formed you in the womb, the Lord says to Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Not, not just to fall in with everybody else, but a unique purpose in your life. Set you apart and purposed you. Purpose you. And I, I hear that. When we hear that from Jeremiah, that encourages me that before I was ever thought of, uh, in the womb, my God knew my name. He knew my frame. He knows the number of my days, and He knows how those will be lived out in my life. Before I was born, He set me apart. He set me apart to know Him and to walk with Him. He set me apart for something greater than myself, something that only He can do. And He purposed us. Now, our purpose is different from, from Jeremiah, right? You know, God says to Jeremiah, I, I, I set you apart and I, I called you, I purposed you to be a prophet to the nations. Uh, while our purpose has some similarities as children of God to carry the gospel to the nations, uh, we, we're not prophets as Jeremiah was, uh, but, but we do have that unique place, that unique position to carry out God's kingdom purpose in our lives. So, so as we think about this concept of purpose, Read with me, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. It says this, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, and I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. Paul's using this analogy, and I think many of us will associate with this analogy because we do live in a culture that's highly um, um, sports-oriented. Now, you may not be, but, but, but across our culture, we are highly sports-oriented. Uh, this is the most wonderful time of the year for me. Uh, because April, the first Sunday of April, is the first day of baseball season. I'm excited about it. Some of y'all are not. Okay. So, anyway, so here in this culture, Paul is using this analogy. In the city of Corinth, they hosted the Isthmian Games. That's a hard word to say, but, but you, you'll understand. This is the second 
Uh, this is the, the games that were only behind the Olympic Games in priority across this culture. And for, for year, year after year, people would come together uh, every two years. Actually, they would come together to Corinth and they would participate in these, these games. They would, they would run. There was the, the, the track events. There were the discus events. There were all of these events. And so they understood what Paul was saying when he began to talk to them about this concept of race. And so he gives this, this analogy, this picture here of, of a race. Now, let me, let me be quite honest with you here. When he does this, this race, the, in the analogy is this, the lifespan of a Christian. Okay? The, the race that we are in uh, is not a 5K. It's not a 10K. It's not a 26.2-mile marathon. The race that we understand here in this analogy is of an indefinite length for an indefinite time. That means that, that, that the course, the, the indefinite course, has its ups and downs. It has its turns. It has its forks. It has all kinds of things that can be frustrating uh, throughout the course of the race. But it's an indefinite time. That is the length of our lives on this earth. God knows, the Bible says God knows the number of the hairs on our head. God knows the number of our days. And He knows the length of our race. So He gives this picture. When Paul says, uh, do you not know that all, runner, all runners in a race run? Uh, look, you reckon He's talking, He's given this analogy to point to the race that is the Christian life. It's not a sprint. It's a long-term event. Who are the runners? Us. Believers. Y'all are getting ahead of me up there already. No wonder everybody's looking at me going, hurry up, move along. The runners. Believers. Those who are followers of Christ have entered the race. And so, so you see this, uh, this picture. Well, the prize. What's the prize? I started to say, y'all ought to be able to read that. Okay. Rewards of faithful servant. Now, let's think about this. The prize for the Christian that, that we run toward is not entrance into heaven. Do you understand that? Because nowhere in Scripture is entrance into the kingdom of God something that we win or something that we earn. The entrance into the kingdom of heaven is a gift of God's grace purchased for you purchased for me on the cross of Calvary. Sealed when the tomb broke open and Jesus walked out alive. So that, that, that is, it's not about getting into heaven. We're not racing to, to get to heaven. We're, the, the race is about serving the Lord. And the rewards are granted to those who are faithful in service to Him. Now, we could spend a lot of time trying to go through Scripture and figure out what these rewards are. What we do know is that these rewards mentioned that, that will be granted to those who are faithful in service to Him are greater opportunities of service. Greater opportunities of service. But, but please understand, we're not talking about getting into heaven. We're talking about the rewards of the faithful. Uh, I think about the applause of heaven. The applause of heaven, where Jesus Jesus tells the parable of uh, of the uh, 
the talent, how the owner went away and, and, and he gave the assignments, the one he gave five, the one he gave three, the one he gave one, and he told them to, to go and, and, and grow those talents. And, and when the owner returned, uh, the one who had five now had ten, and the one who had three now had, uh, had doubled. And, and so what you, what you have there is, is the owner saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. My good and faithful servant, enter into the reward for your master. Look, what are we talking about here? We're talking about this pride of knowing that we've lived well and we've been obedient to the Lord God Almighty. And that when we are faithful to Him, He will reward us in things that, look, you and I cannot imagine the rewards God has for us when we are faithful to Him. So, So to try and bring it down to try and name rewards and make you feel better about them, it's not going to do a good, any good. But there's a prize for those who are faithful to Him. That's what Paul says. By the way, he says here, but only one receives the prize. This is not a competition. Okay? I'm not in a competition with Porkchop or Kevin, Bilbo, or anybody else in this room. We're not in a competition. We are family in the kingdom of God, and we are running this race together. What he's talking about here is not beat pork chop out. He's talking about run on purpose. That's what Paul said. Run so that you may obtain. He says, look, do you not know that all runners run, but only one wins the prize? So you run that you may obtain it. Run on purpose. It's not enough to be in the race. We ought to live, we ought to run so that we might win. So we ought to run with our eyes on the finish line, on the goal, on the prize, and we ought not stop running until we get there. And the Lord calls us home. Paul says, run on purpose. Run on purpose. And if we don't know what our purpose is, how in the world can we run toward it? why I ask you this morning to pray with me. God, help me understand my purpose. Help me walk in that purpose and help that help me to be driven by that purpose. So, so I want to think about a couple of things right here. I want to give you just a few thoughts from Scripture as to what our purpose is. Okay? If our purpose is not just to get to heaven, what is our purpose? I'm, I'm going to give you a few things uh, to think about. Uh, there are more, and as you study Scripture, I, I encourage you, make note of those things for purpose. But what is our purpose as believers? Uh, our staff meeting on Wednesday morning, we're talking about this concept. What is our purpose? What is our purpose as believers? So, uh, you staff people that meet with me, when we meet Wednesday, you cannot use these because I've already taken them, okay? Um, you cannot. So, what is our purpose as believers? Number one, to know Him. To know the Lord God Almighty. That's the very reason Jesus came. To, to, to remedy the sin problem, to bridge the relationship. No longer are we enemies, but we are in the family, in the kingdom of God, and we are to know Him. If you don't know Jesus this morning, listen to me. Nothing else matters. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you can never earn your way into the kingdom. You can never do enough. You can never give enough. You can never earn your way to Jesus. 
so if you don't know Him, that's why it's so important for us to understand. Jesus says, hey, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Our purpose is to know Him. Second is to love Him. The greatest commandment is, is this, Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love the Lord. Love the Lord. Now, how many of you love the Lord this morning? Don't raise your hand. Proverbs says, it's easy for a man to say, I love you. But the proof, the proof is in the man who lives that out. How many of you love the Lord this morning? See, that's our purpose, to, lo- to know Him, to love Him. And when we love Him, I told you last week, that when we are convicted about who Jesus is and His purpose in our lives, then our lives are consumed by Him. And if we love Him, our lives will be consumed by Him. Therefore, working uh, throughout the week will we'll begin to look like Jesus in our lives carrying out our work. So we're to love Him. We're to serve Him. We're to serve Jesus. So our culture, we don't like that word. Jesus in John 13 sat down with His disciples and He washed their feet. Creepy, creepy, creepy to me. But He washed their feet. And then He said this. He says, if I have done to you, you ought to do just like that to others. As I have served you, Jesus said, you in turn should serve others. What does that say? That says that this life is not about us. It's about how we reach out and serve others. We, we, we're to serve Him. We're to bear witness to Him. You know what bear witness means? That means to just tell what Christ has done in you. How many of you have told somebody recently what Christ has done in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. You're not winning an award for me or anybody else. Don't think about that. How many of you have borne witness? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Scripture said, Jesus speaking to His disciples, the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That is, that when the Holy Spirit of Christ lives in you, the response that, that, that the Holy Spirit bears out in our lives is that we bear witness to Him. It's not like getting you to having to pull your teeth to get you to speak on behalf of Jesus. Just out of the overflow of what Christ is doing in life, we begin to share about Him. Because God's good, right? We sing about amazing grace and we raise our hands and we clap and we rejoice in that. But how many of us speak of amazing grace on a day-to-day basis in our lives? We, that's a purpose that we have. A purpose to bear witness. That purpose of bearing witness is not for a select few. It's for all who are in Christ. It's the purpose to make disciples. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty. Go therefore and make disciples. That that concept is to help others along the way, to to help somebody else grow in their walk with the Lord, to to invest and spend time to make disciples. Again, that's not just for a select few. That's for all who are in Christ. For that command is given unto the end of the age. We're not to the end of the age yet. 
And so we're to be about the business of making disciples. That is, uh, walking a, a long life together and helping people up, helping people along the way, helping people grow in their knowledge of the Lord. And last thing on that list there, uh, and, and there are many, many more, is to glorify His name. We hear that phrase, glorify, and we disassociate with that in many ways. But I want you to think about this, to spread His fame. To spread the fame of Christ. His work in our lives. To others. This passage this morning. I, I encourage you to read my Bible. I, try, I read your Bible, not mine. Don't mark in my Bible. We'll have problems. Um, but I, I encourage you to read your Bible. And, and as I encourage you to do that, I, I read mine. And some of you are reading the same Bible reading plan that I am because I handed those out at the, uh, before the, the first of the year. And, and here I am I, along reading uh, day after day after day. And some days, honestly, I, I read and I put my Bible aside and, 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 and I say, Lord, what, what, was, what was in that for me? Just week before last I was reading and, and this passage was on my list, 1 Corinthians 9. And when I read this, I, I came to the realization that, that, that this, was, this was specifically something the Lord needed to show me that day. Uh, through His Word, he, he brought to mind this, this, I, this, this purpose. Run that you may obtain it. It's purpose that God has placed in our lives. And He said to me, Jonathan, you're just drifting. Why aren't you on purpose? What's the purpose? It's a purpose bigger than I am. And if I'm just drifting, I can't lead you. And if we're all just drifting, guess where we're going? Nowhere. Because God's purpose is an eternal purpose, and it's worth putting up a fight for. It's worth putting our lives into. Glorify His name. Let your light so stand among men that you may glorify uh, that you may, uh, that they may see your good works and they may give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of the Lord. If we are going to live on purpose, then we've got to understand what our purpose is. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's the tip of the iceberg. So I want to encourage you. Purpose. <laughs> I've told you this before, and you'll probably get tired of me saying this. The purpose is not to go to church purpose is not to read your Bible. The purpose is not to pray. Those are means by which we understand and pursue God's greater purpose in our lives. Because when we come to church and we worship together, we are taught from the Word of God. When we open up our Bibles and the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Word of God, we are taught from the Word of God. When we pray and we lay our burdens down to the Lord and we give Him opportunity to speak into our lives through the Word of God, we are getting to know Him more, love Him more, serve Him more, bearing witness of what He's doing in our lives, making disciples of others as we share what Christ has taught us and ultimately giving glory to His name. But the end is not, hey, I read my Bible. Check. I went to church this week. Check. I prayed. Check. It's 
the transformation of life that occurs as we do those things. So how is it that we're going to run on purpose? If we understand a little bit of what our purpose is, let me, let me, let me finish this right quick. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. If we are going to live on purpose, how do we do that? Number one, we must be preparing. He uses this analogy further when he, when he, he gives this description, this, this picture. Every athlete, everyone who is striving, that word uh, is agonizing. Uh, look, the work of preparation is agonizing. It is painful. It is difficult. It is hard. But if we understand the great value of the prize, then we recognize that the, 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 the preparation is worth, worth it. So if we're going to prepare, look, we've got to put away some things, right? We've got to put away some things. Hebrews says, lay aside every weight that so easily sets us back. We've got to put away those things. That is, we, we can't dabble in sinfulness. We can't dabble in the things of the world and expect to live on purpose. Because it's when we dabble, when we get caught up in that, we lose sight of the greater good God wants to do in our lives. So we put away some things. We, we, we put away some things. When I played football, i never forget going into my high school year, that the word was, don't drink sodas during the summer. It's like, what? Brother likes some sodas. Then I began to realize when I hit those two-a-day practices, and, uh, well, there was a lot of other things besides sodas that held me back. I mean, I understand that. But, but I, I began to feel the effects of that. And so what I learned was it's, it's time to, when it comes to all that, that conditioning, put some things away. Put some things away that'll hold you back. I saw this post the other day. You can never exercise enough to overcome a bad diet. If you need an amen, here he is. Here he is. Put away some bad things. You've got to pick up some good things. You've got to pick up some good things. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 uh, says, uh, put away uh, the, the renewing of the mind happens how? Through the Word of God. Through the Word. You say, well, preacher, I don't like to read. That's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. So I don't have time to read. Carve it out. Carve it out of your day. Give some time to it. The, the, the training is required. We, we put away the Big Macs and pick up the dumbbells, okay? We, we put away the bad things. We pick up the good things in order that we can excel as we walk with Him. Pick up the good things. Pick up the Word of God. Pick up uh, some time in your prayer closet. Pick up some. Uh, pick up uh, opportunities to serve others, to bear witness. Pick up some opportunities to fulfill those little pieces of the uh, of your purpose. And the more you do it, this is what happens. The more you do it more you fall into enjoying and going further along the way. Because in the end, it'll all be worth it. Amen? So prepare. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. I can think about that perishable wreath. You understand that when that one wreath, when that, uh, when that wreath is placed on the, the athlete's head, it is already 
dead. You ever thought about that? Because the life has already been cut from it. It's life source. So before long, that wreath on that athlete's head, that one winner's head, is going to turn brown and be absolutely worthless. Paul says, but we're not running for a wreath that, that, uh, that disappears immediately. We're running for a prize that is eternal, imperishable. Nobody can take, take it away from us. Nobody can stomp it out. Verse 26, I do not run aimlessly, but I do not box, and I do not box as one beating the air. We're going to prepare. We also need to participate. <laughs> Get in the race. Get in the race. It's not enough to sign up and get a t-shirt until you show up and participate. We get in the race. He said, I do not run aimlessly. I know my purpose. It is before me. And therefore, I will run toward that goal. I will engage and I will run toward that prize. He participate, run with focus, with clarity. This, uh, this concept, I do not box as one beating the air. Some say it's it's a, a shadow boxer, just, just practicing, practicing, getting the punch right. But in reality, it, it's more likely that Paul's talking about uh, actually in the ring and missing his opponent. He's saying, I'm not missing it. Because he's right there. And, and I know, I know my purpose, and that's what I'm going for, I'm shooting for. Get in the game, participate, participate. Uh, David Jeremiah said, too often today, Christians are content to merely be in the race rather than diligently paying the price to win it. Run, run, run with all the strength you have. The last thing is this, persevere. Persevere in discipline. Verse 27, we're going to prepare, we're going to participate, we're going to persevere. That's We're not going to quit. Verse 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I'm going to discipline my body. And I'm going to keep it under control. It's not that I'm just preparing to get in the race and to get to, 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 to go so far. I'm going to keep my body under control. I'm going to keep my spirit under control. I'm going to, to stay the course so that when I come to the end, I'll not be disqualified. Now, now look, he's not talking about salvation here. This word, uh, so when I preached, it's not just, it's a word picture that Paul gives us here. Not just talking about preaching the gospel, but, but literally when the, um, the Greek word is corrupt and it means to herald, what would happen when these races would be getting together? That a herald would go out and he would call people to the race and the athletes would begin to show up. Paul saying, I want to do, I want to live so that when I stand and I call people to come to Christ, that I am not disqualified because my life doesn't meet what I preach and proclaim. It would be embarrassment to come and call the race to order and nobody showed up, right? Paul's saying this, when I preach the gospel, when I call people to Jesus, I don't want to stand and call and nobody show up because I've not lived. The only way to do that is to have a purpose set before you. A purpose, a God-given purpose for your life. What is it? What is God's purpose for you, teacher, plumber, nurse, accountant, 
law enforcement, what is God's purpose for you? That you may know Him. That you may love Him. That you may serve Him. That you may bear witness to Him in your life. That you may make disciples of others and ultimately glorify His name. How are you? How are you running on purpose this morning? My prayer is that we no longer run aimlessly. We no longer have programs that are done aimlessly in the life of our church. We no longer meet together without purpose in our worship. But that our purpose as individuals and our purpose as families and our purposes, our purpose as a church would be revived in the purpose of Jesus today. That we not run aimlessly. So run. Run that you may obtain. Run with purpose. Father, I thank You today for the purpose that You've given me. You've given us. Those who believe and trust in You, Lord, I thank You that You have given us an eternal purpose that far outweighs the, 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 the time that we could uh, invest in this life, in this earth, all the, the worldly goods. And Father, I thank You that You've given us that eternal purpose. Lord, there's some here that You've given Your Son so that they could know You that they've never trusted You today. I pray that today would be a day where they would begin uh, by getting on purpose to know You as Savior. That they would repent of sin in light of what Christ has done on the cross that they'd trust You and be saved. Father, in this time, God, would You revive our purpose to walk